Based from Matthew 15. Rise for the reading of God's word. Um, our passage today is from Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite wo woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. You may be seated. I think I better move this out of the way in case our microphones start trying to communicate with each other. Well, it's been a while since I've been up here to preach. Not sure if I can remember how to do this. As a matter of fact, after last week when I saw Josh come forward all dressed in his suit, I thought, oh no, Josh, how am I going to better that? I actually gave thought this week to going and renting a tuxedo, just so I could be one better than him. But I'm glad that to have the opportunity to share God's word with you. And I want to continue with this kind of theme we've had going over the last few weeks as Zig spoke about Elijah and then Josh so, so graciously and comfortably. we got some, something happening at the back there. Sorry, youth hour, yes. Thanks, Mark. All the youth are welcome to go to youth hour downstairs. Continuing again, as I said, from where we've been the last few weeks, I want to stay with this theme of prayer and faith. At age nine, his mother died. At age 28, he incurred significant debt, debt and failed at business. At 37, he asked his girlfriend to marry him, and she said no. At 38, a second love in his life passed away. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 49, he ran a second time for the Senate and lost. At that time in his life, he entered into a huge time of depression amidst the rejection of his life. At age 51, finally, he became president of the United States. You are probably aware now we are talking of President Abraham Lincoln. He set thousands of slaves free as he entered, as he wrote the Emancipation and Proclamation and had it passed through government. However, unfortunately, the Civil War failed to stop his efforts to abolish slavery and he was assassinated. But people today remember him 
as a man who stood firm despite strong opposition. We often recognize, often fail to recognize, is his struggle, his struggles formed in him a personality that developed into character, perseverance, and overwhelming faith. He never, ever gave up. This morning we will be looking at a person in the Bible who Jesus declared had great faith. She had a big problem, but she persevered through faith and trusted a great person. She was described by Jesus as the person of great faith. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we seek understanding this morning, Lord, from this passage, this story that we find in your love letter, your holy Bible. And because it is placed there, Father, we know that there is something and there are things within the story of this woman that are relevant to our lives today. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to be the person as you dwell us to help us understand. In Jesus' name, amen. A historical look at this woman, it is important for us to see three barriers that she faced. And in those three barriers alone, we learn something. First barrier, she was a woman. Women in those days were considered to be the possession of people. Not only was she a woman, but she was a Gentile. Salvation had not yet come to the Gentiles, and the nation of Israel peoples did not associate with Gentiles. But thirdly, she was also a Canaanite. Canaanites in those days were actually despised by Jewish people. They were the ones who possessed the promised land before Jesus or before Moses brought the people of Israel to the promised land. And in, in those days, if a Canaanite person was walking down one side of the road, a Jewish person would immediately go to the other side of the road so that they would not draw close to them. It never ceases to amaze me as I've grown older and listened and read God's word and heard him speak to my life, how Jesus cared so strongly for disenfranchised people. And if we think that we don't have disenfranchisement in our society, we're wrong. Women are still not treated to the degree that I think Jesus treated them. Those of us who come from a different country with a different color and a different ethnic background often are not treated the same. But I need to say that Jesus does not see anything like that. He sees us as we are and who we are. So I want to talk this morning about this woman of faith. As a matter of fact, it is about great faith of a Canaanite woman. This wouldn't be such a... This wouldn't be... Uh, wouldn't make such a difference if Jesus went around applying this, uh, this compliment loosely. But he didn't. But this woman was unique in two ways. She was the only Gentile woman Jesus healed in Matthew's Gospel. And she is the only person that Jesus said had great faith. 
Compare that to the five times he reminds his disciples of their little faith. In Matthew 8, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid, you men of little faith? Or Matthew 16, But Jesus, aware of this, said to his disciples, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that we have no bread? Or Matthew 14, As Jesus immediately stretched out his hands to Peter and took him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? What a lesson. There must have been something unique about this woman that Jesus would say to her, you are a person of great faith. Not a person of little faith, but you are a person of great faith. Let's look at some of the lessons we can learn. First of all, the big picture. That's not the big picture. Okay. I'm not sure Dawson got it up. Oh, it's up. Okay, now we got Oh, now we're really going. Oh, we're back to the beginning. Let's see if I can move this time. Nope. The big picture we see is God finds pleasure when your faith persists in spite of pressure. God finds pleasure when your faith persists in spite of, of, of difficulties or pressure. I ask myself then, what kind of faith does God favor? Three things come to my mind from this story. And the first is, God favors faith that is a desperate faith. That is a desperate faith. Desperation leads to strong faith, I'm beginning to learn in my life. The story doesn't begin with this woman knowing about her great faith. It begins with her desperation. And that's where great faith often begins. This woman, whose name we never hear about, has a daughter who was described as cruelly possessed by a demon. We don't know exactly what that meant. Perhaps it was a violent, violent, insane behavior like the man who lived in the tombs in Matthew 8, or the epileptic boy with seizures in Matthew 17. Whatever her symptoms, her mother was desperate for her to be healed, to be free from this terrible affliction. It's obvious she had heard about Jesus and his ministry as he led and as he went around the country performing miracles and teaching people. And because she knew about him, as she began to follow him from a distance, she was filled with a sense of hope. But it wasn't hope on folk cures she probably had tried, nor was it hope in the best medical practices of the day, but it was hope in the God of Israel and his Messiah Jesus. This hope led to faith without shame. You know, I really believe many times we are afraid to let our, our prayers of faith be known. Sometimes we don't want our prayer life to stand out because we fear people might not think we have enough faith or we have too little faith. But this woman was different. She lived out a faith that came from having nothing to lose. I asked myself many times over my ministry career, 
I better not do that, Lord, as he may be leading me to do something or say something because I'm not sure how people will feel about it. The first time that God spoke to me in this church to go down and lay hands and pray for somebody, that was a scary moment for me. This conservative German Baptist church, what were they going to think of that? And then I realized, well, I have nothing to lose. All they can do is fire me. But that's where this woman was. She was not ashamed of her her faith. She lived out a faith that came from having nothing to lose, a desperate faith. She approached this band of disciples and their leader, Jesus, and she screamed out to them from a distance. She didn't just shout it. She screamed it. She screamed as one whose faith was desperate, believing that, the, that only Jesus was the one who could make a difference. She didn't care what the disciples thought. She didn't care even as a Gentile woman approaching men who were strangers. She didn't care about things that often make us ashamed. She had a faith of a desperate mother, a faith without shame. I have to tell you, I am challenged by that. Do I I approach Jesus when I'm truly desperate, or do I try to fix it myself? I tend to be a fix-it person. I tend to go there first. But this this woman didn't. She went directly to Jesus first. I asked myself this week, does my faith, faith rise out of confidence that Jesus is the only one that brings meaning to my life? The only one who can bring true spiritual and emotional healing and refreshing? This Canaanite woman's face, faith was without shame because she saw Jesus as her only hope. She didn't care what others thought. Someone came up this morning and said they'd been listening to Stanley, and I found this quote this week in one of his writings. Faith is not merely your holding on to God. It's God holding on to you and never letting go. Let me say that again. Faith is not merely your holding on to God. It is God holding on to you and never letting go. So the first thing we see about this woman, she had desperate faith. She was desperate. And her desperation led her to hope. And her hope led her to Jesus. Isn't that where we should be? The second thing I see about uh, the faith that God favors is she had a determined faith. She had a determined faith. She continued to cry out, Lord, help me. I get this picture in my mind as I read that story, and often in the Bible we just get a little capitalization of something that happened. But when you kind of look into the story, you recognize that this girl must have been following Jesus for some time, shouting at him. Perhaps standing back from a distance, but screaming at him. How do I know that? Why do I think that? Because disciples were embarrassed and frustrated with her. 
They even told Jesus, send her away. She's bothering us with her begging. So she was following Jesus because her hope was found in him. And she was determined that that hope would come to full fruition. Verse 23 is an amazing verse that at first I couldn't figure it out. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Jesus said nothing. I'm going to use a zig phrase here. What, are you kidding me? Jesus didn't say anything to her. Jesus, the one who was incarnate in love, Jesus was the one sent by the Father to bring salvation to humankind, and he doesn't say a word with this woman screaming for his attention. The disciples said, send her away. She's, she's bugging us. But I get the picture. She was not going to stop till she got an answer. She was not going to stop till she got an answer. She was determined. But Jesus didn't say, say a word. As a matter of fact, it seems he practically ignored her. Again, are you kidding me? But he did. Jesus continued to teach his disciples about loving your enemies. But here he was silent. What's going on here, Lord? I asked myself when I studied, what is going on here? And I've come to realize, because I know the end of the story, that he had a purpose for his silence. He was testing her faith. He consistently showed, he had, he, Jesus in his ministry consistently showed us that he had a heart and mind that was omnipresent. Wasn't it Jesus who would declare, declare to the righteous leaders what he knew about their intent? Wasn't it Jesus who cried out his baptism, you brood of vipers? He knew the very thoughts of the leaders who were witnessing his baptism. So Jesus knew this woman's faith, but yet he was silent. I asked myself, really, if he knew her faith, what was he waiting for? Well, he was waiting for her faith to find full expression. He, she was, he was waiting for her faith to find full expression. I believe our greatest lessons of faith are learned when God appears to be silent, even when we are desperate. Over and over, the woman cried out to Jesus for mercy, but he did not answer her, not even a word. Didn't even say, well... I'll speak to you later about that. Or I hear you, let me think about it. Nothing but divine silence. I don't know about you, but one of the things that annoys me is when I am ignored when I'm speaking to someone and they don't even acknowledge it. Whether I am right or wrong, I somehow expect to have an acknowledgement. And I think we're all like that. Yet here was this lady that felt, the depths of her, felt in the depths of her own soul the desperation of her daughter's demon possessions 
and it only resent, resulted in complete silence. Why was Jesus silent to her pleas? Why is Jesus silent to our pleas? Because we know the end of this story, his silence was putting her faith on trial. The Lord's response to her was not to destroy her faith, but to develop it. And we, when we have moments of desperation in our life and the heavens seem silent, it's because Jesus is developing our faith. And part of that faith that he's developing is determination. He had a purpose in his silence. The effect of that science actually developed, strengthened, and made manifest her great faith. You see, the silence of Jesus is with never, never without purpose, and certainly not out of unconcern for her need or our needs. Here's the lesson I think I learned. When the heavens seem silent, we can be assured from the example of this woman of great faith that we must not give up and we must have determined faith. Not only was her faith without shame, but her faith was without fear. And thirdly, the faith that God favors is an expectant faith. There's an interesting twist in this story found in Matthew in verses 24 and 26. When Jesus finally did speak to her, he had this to say. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it from the children's table and throw it to the dogs. What is that all about? Children and dogs and tables. This woman is pleading for Jesus to respond to her daughter's need, and this is what he says? Well, you have to connect the dots between verse 24 and 26. Jesus said in verse 24, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Her reply clearly demonstrates her expectancy for Jesus to respond. When Jesus was speaking of taking food from the children and throwing it to dogs, he was speaking this. He was speaking of the chosen people of Israel and the Gentiles. He was in fact saying it isn't good to take blessings meant for Israel and give it to the Gentiles. The woman's response was illuminating for me. Jesus, Master, I can hear her say, you are always right, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall off the master's table. Her expectant faith went way beyond her time. She had the faith in her heart, I believe stitched in her by God Almighty, that salvation would come to the Gentiles one day. And she was thinking, I know your blessings are for the entire world. I know that your blessings are so great but I'll gladly take the leftovers to be satisfied. Then Jesus really spoke. I get this picture. Jesus' face broke from its, its serious state 
into a broad smile. He reached down and grabbed her hands, and he helped her to her feet, and he looked into her eyes and says, not what he would say to the disciples, you of little faith. He says, great is your faith. And the woman's daughter was instantly healed. This is where this particular story ends. But I do believe the disciples were instantly reminded what Jesus taught them in Matthew chapter 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you here, will be opened to you. I think without this lady's story, the disciples never would have expected what they saw. They got a living lesson about asking, seeking, and knocking. They saw giant faith embodied in this woman, a faith that didn't quit with asking, the faith that wasn't ashamed to, to seek, and a faith that kept on knocking with expectation, even in the immediate face of no response. The question we have for ourselves is, do we have faith that will never quit? Or do we have faith that gives up when we don't see a quick response? I'll confess to you, that's where I am most of the time. I ask God to help me for this, or help me for that, or lead me this, or lead me that, and I get silence. And so often I move on. But this woman has, this woman has showed me this week, don't move on. Be determined. The tradition of the church tells us that nearly every disciple died a martyr's death for his or her faith in Christ. Could it be that the great faith they carried until death was learned from this Canaanite woman? I say to us, my prayer for us as a church, grant us such faith, Jesus. Grant us as we go forth into our community, as we seek opportunities to reach those who are lost in Thornhill and Greenville, Greenview and other areas that we are connected with. Give us a faith not to give up. Give us a faith to be expectant. If there's anything that I believe with all my heart, and I've seen it played in my life in a couple of weeks, in the last few weeks, and I won't say a whole lot about it, but I think I'll get a smile from somebody. I have been seeking with determination for God to lead me to a children's worker. And out of the strangest place, I believe that person has appeared. And I ask myself how many times I thought about giving up praying for that and trying to do it on my own. Oh, I pray that we as a church become a prayer church. I remind you that Sunday mornings we have prayer meeting at 9 o'clock. 
but although but they be few, the power of the church is driven out of that room. We need to be a people of this kind of faith. A faith so great that it believes and expects that the blessings to come are much bigger than our comprehensions. God has a much bigger plan from this church than we can even vision, because it is his church. And he wants us to reach out. I ask you personally, are you having a hard time trusting God amongst perhaps some pressure or affliction or difficulty in your life? Are you disappointed when God seems to be silent and not responding to your prayer? Is your faith under pressure and you feel like giving up? Are your problems too heavy for you to hang on to? Question. Are you desperate for God? Are you desperate for God? This nameless woman would declare that's where it begins. When you are desperate. Because that's when God will put your faith on trial. And that's when God may be silent. Not because he doesn't care, not because he doesn't know, but because he wants to perfect your faith. I read this anonymous quote, and I close with this today. Little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Gracious Heavenly Father, may we become a people of great faith. When I think of my relationship with you, Lord, I believe there's many times in my life that you have tried to whisper in my ear, Oh, you of little faith. But I want to learn to come to you, Lord, with desperation in my soul, with a determination and hope that you will fill that. And I expect you to respond. I pray that for our church, Jesus, that we might become an expectant church and that we may even find ourselves in desperation as our church changes in personality, in people. But Father, we are determined to go where you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.